Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today is going to be a fun day of the podcast. If you have ever wrestled with this idea of election, of Calvinism, of Arminianism, of the idea of does God choose us or do we choose God, uh, this could be a helpful episode for you. Today we are looking at Romans 8 through Romans 10, uh, and there's a lot in here. This is one of those days where I'm looking forward to our format next year. Next year we're going to be doing just the New Testament. We'll cover the whole New Testament in a year, but we will only be doing one chapter a day. So it gives a little bit more time to dive into what's going on in these chapters because Romans 8 uh, to Romans 10 is a lot to cover. So starting out in Romans 8, um, there is some some really interesting uh, perspectives here, uh, basically talking about who we are in Christ and how when Christ is for us, um, literally no one can be against us. There's one little extra credit piece I want to point out here. If you look at Romans 8, verse 26, uh, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This could be a reference uh, to the kind of like spiritual prayer language, the, the, the tongue speaking kind of stuff uh, that was going on in the Corinthian church. So it wasn't too long ago uh, that we talked about how Paul was saying there was like a, like a private language uh, that you would use between you and God that's in uh, the letter to the Corinthians. And here he's referencing how the Spirit is praying and interceding for us uh, with groanings too deep for words. You can look at this two different ways. Uh, one is that when you pray in tongues, uh, you're given the ability to pray with the Spirit in those groanings that you can't understand. Um, the other way you can look at this is that the Holy Spirit uh, himself is actively praying for believers. It seems like that's a little bit uh, more the point uh, in the second part of that verse, uh, where it says the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Um, so I think, you know, I, I've, I've been in a couple different churches. Um, I've been in a church where that was like, no, this is talking about how the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. That's not a tongues thing. I've been in a church where it's like, no, this is, this is explaining how praying in tongues works. Um, and I think no matter what, understanding that the Holy Spirit is assisting us in our prayers and especially helping us pray for the things that we don't understand is very helpful for us in our faith and very helpful for us in the next verse. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, it's very helpful to know that all things will work together for our good when we are believers um, because the Holy Spirit is leading us and praying on our behalf. Um, so we, this is the reason we need uh, deeper dives on some of these topics, um, but this is potentially a private prayer language speaking in tongues 
kind of verse. Now, the next thing that's going to happen is Paul's going to do something pretty incredible. Um, I love how he addresses one crowd and then addresses the next crowd. He talks to the Gentiles, then he talks to the Jews. Um, What he's going to do in Romans 9 and 10 is so interesting because Romans 9 is a very, very sharp chapter uh, for people that are firm believers in election. I, I'm a firm believer in election. I think the Bible teaches election, and so we believe election. Now, don't like if, if that frustrates you, just hang on, uh, because Romans 9 is a pretty strong verse for understanding the fact that God has chosen who he wants to choose, and he hardens the hearts of those he wants to harden. But then Romans 10 is a pretty strong chapter uh, for we need to preach the gospel because people are coming to Christ. So it seems like Romans 9 has kind of a Calvinism feel, and Romans 10 has kind of an Arminianism kind of feel. So if you're a Bible nerd, uh, you'll enjoy that. Even if you're not a Bible nerd, you do need to understand this. So Paul is laying out this argument um, that God is calling people to himself. And there's many, 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 many uh, instances where God chooses someone uh, for his purposes. So God chose Moses. Uh, God chose Noah. God chose Adam. God chose Paul. Uh, God chose many of these people that are like incredibly faithful people. They did not seek out God. Probably like one of the more incredible stories that plays out that way is when God called Abraham. Abraham wasn't seeking God at all. God just chose him out of nowhere and said, hey, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless all nations through you. And it was not something that Abraham chose to do. It was that God chose Abraham. So if you look at chapter 9, verse uh, 15, um, Paul's going to be talking about an an instance that happened to Moses, another person who God just chose out of nowhere. It says, For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So you can see here in Romans 9, Paul is teaching pretty clearly uh, that God picks who he wants, and there are those that he has picked for good purposes and those he has picked for evil purposes. He even goes on to talk about a potter and a clay um, because he's anticipating that people will be like, hey, I don't know about this. And he basically makes the case like if a, if a potter is making things with clay, he is allowed to make really noble dishes. And he's also allowed to make really humble dishes, basically saying like God raises up people for his purposes and he raises up people against his purposes. And Romans 10 is going to teach how important it is to share the gospel with people um, because people will not be able to get saved if they haven't heard. Well, that seems like not a Calvinistic position. It seems like uh, if God chose people before the foundation of the world, why does he need to send people out to proclaim the gospel? Uh, So this is really interesting. If you look at um, 
Romans 10 verse 9, uh, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Um, For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. So here in Romans 10, Paul's teaching that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it seems like in Romans 9, you would be asking yourself, well, like, why do we even preach the gospel if God already knows what's going to happen? And then Romans 10 is saying we need to preach the gospel because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and we need people to come to Christ and we need people to be saved. Uh, <laughs> how do we put this whole issue to rest? Uh, it's actually quite clear that the Bible teaches uh, both sides of this issue. And that does not mean that it's not trustworthy. That does not mean that it can't be believed. It means that God is sovereign over all things. And somehow, some way, we still have some say in what's going on. Uh, We can see that God clearly has chosen people before the foundations of the world. I mean, that's literally how Paul ended up uh, preaching the gospel. He was not somebody who desired a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus pursued him anyway. And at the same time, um, he went out to all these different cities preaching the gospel, telling people how important it was to spread the gospel uh, so that people would come to know Jesus, obviously exercising some level of personal responsibility. So this is a, a really, really interesting uh, theological situation. Um, I think God is in control of all things. I think that God certainly chooses Uh, people that are going to be saved. And he certainly picks people um, before he even got around to creating the world. He knew who would be saved. Uh, But at the same time, we don't know who that is. And so we can never, one, we cannot just assume uh, that we have been chosen in this kind of uh, Christian arrogance. Um, But we also can't avoid preaching the gospel to people. We have a a serious responsibility, Jesus tells us, um, to go to all nations, the ends of the earth, um, baptizing people and teaching them all that he has commanded. So Jesus tells us to preach the gospel. Uh, we need to do that. And so it's it's interesting to live in the tension of the fact that God does choose people, um, but also people have some level of choice. So be interesting to see how you wrestle through this. I love that Romans 9 and Romans 10 are back to back because I think it's a good place to go Uh, for this debate and for this conversation. So let us know what you think. Um, As far as your part, I think I would actually go back to the the beginning of the the, uh, reading in chapter 8 and just encourage you with the fact that everything that is going on around you is somehow working together uh, for your good if you are a believer. I know it might not always seem that way, uh, might not always feel that way, Uh, But God is good and God is taking care of us and all things around us um, are working together for our good. So stay faithful, uh, continue your walk with the Lord and trust that he has a plan for you. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's plan, your part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating 
and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, to obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows that is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers." And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 9 I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told, The older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God, who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molted say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews, also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says to Hosea, Those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who has not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, 
Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith? But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone for stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Chapter 10 Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask... Have they not heard? Indeed they have. For the voice has gone out over all the earth, and their words to the ends of the earth. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com.